Hi, this is Art Maines from ScammerCast.com, where we educate, inform, and protect our elders and those who care for them on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics, from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, Two Guys Talking... Raiders of the Lost Ark. The year was 1981. The star, Harrison Ford. The movie... Raiders of the Lost Ark with Indiana Jones. It's time for the two guys talking review of one of my favorite all-time movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Carl Abadidi, and I'm one of the guest hosts. Not only is Carl a guest host this evening, he's one of my lifelong friends and one of the few people that I have ever seen old movies with, including this one, Carl. Can you believe that it is 25 years later? And we're reviewing this film together on the Two Guys Talking podcast. Yes, I can. I can believe this. All spurred on by something which could be great or something which could be horrible. We don't know. I know you're more optimistic than I, but it's the Indiana Jones Four movie that is the reason that this has all been brought about. Uh, that's absolutely right. It's the reason we're going to be. We are doing the complete three movie review here on the Two Guys Talking podcast. We're doing today. We're doing Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're doing the Temple of Doom later this week, and then of course the Last Crusade. We've actually already recorded with someone very special, a special guest, my father, fitting right into what is the Indiana Jones trilogy that will now be supplemented by the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, coming up on May 22nd, 2008. So, Carl, give me the quick synopsis. What are your thoughts about this film, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes, Raiders of the Lost Ark, obviously pivotal to our lives as youth growing up. Um, I mean, what can, I mean, there's, how else do I describe impact that this film had? Star Wars-like, for many people, many kids our age that, uh, it just was a, an earth-shattering event in their lives of a phenomenal summer action movie. Again, kicking off thing with the whole summer blockbuster growth at the time. Yeah, without question, this movie probably has the most impact of all movies I can remember. And it's not because it's about adventure, and it's not because it came out in the summer. It's because all of the images that are provided from this film are indelible on my memory. And as we speak of indelible memories, we're going to get straight into the Two Guys Talking review of Raiders of the Lost Ark, an Indiana Jones adventure here on the Two Guys Talking podcast. Two guys talking are near. <laughs> the podcast is still fresh. Three days. The compelling nature of the three-movie DVD pack. Now, if you remember back to November 2006, it was a landmark event for me, Carl, and I don't know, my guess is that you were probably driving in a truck somewhere and didn't even know that they came out on DVD, but these movies coming out on DVD were an absolute party for me, so much so that I had a party where we watched all three of them that weekend, that uh, that Saturday evening. We started a party at 2 o'clock, and we watched them straight on through 1, 2, and 3. Wow. I, yeah, you know, I, again, that was something that the, uh, I mean, I, I could easily sit through all three of them again. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we've chosen to go with Raiders of the Lost Ark because that is my favorite and I think is probably heralded as the best of the three by far. Yeah, yeah, I, w I would agree with that totally. Uh, and again, the, the reasons why it's so great are numerous. Let's get straight to them. 
This is where two guys talking cashed in. They were good. They were very, very good. A mountain that looks like the Paramount logo. Inside of the special features DVD included with the three-pack movie DVD set it are just a cornucopia of trivial information that makes Indiana Jones geeks like Carl and I just absolutely chomp at the bit for more. And one of the things that is noted is that the mountain that you first see, the first mountain that you see inside of the movie, was a, a hunt that Steven Spielberg initiated because he wanted a mountain found that looked like the Paramount logo. Did you know that, Carl? Yeah, I did. I did know that. Only, I mean, when you see it, it, it seems pretty obvious too in the context of the film. I yeah. mean, if you're if you're a, a fan of movies and a fan of the studios, I mean, right away you pick up on that. Yeah. We must hurry. There is nothing to podcast about here. That's what scares me. Sound design at its very best. This is something I know we're going to get hate email for eons about, Carl. And it's where we focus on the sound design or the soundtrack of either movies or television shows. We tend to do that a lot in the Two Guys Talking podcasts, whether it's the Two Guys Talking 24 podcast, the 24 and 60s that we do, or even the Terminator podcast that we've been doing for the beginning of this last year. We always focus on the soundtracks because I have to tell you, the soundtrack to this film, in fact, all of these films, because it's just an offshoot, is magical. There is a there is a place in my mind I'm transported to instantly when I hear that very first dum da da dum 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 da da dum dum. Right then I'm instantly transported back to 1981 where I'm sitting in a chair next to you, eating popcorn, sucking on a soda, and watching one of the best movies ever. Well, yeah, John Williams, of course, pivotal to all the the, the great films of that era, the great. Spielberg and Lucas films, and yeah, you just—he just takes you away. It just instantly gives you that feeling, that shiver, whatever you want to call it, yeah. of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. The feeling of the whole movie, everything that you feel when you see that movie, you get that from that music. You absolutely do. The other thing that I was referring to when I was talking about sound design, the beginning of this film, of course, is in a jungle where not only do you have the natives shooting blow darts and Indy's whip cracking inside and all kinds of other action that's going on, all of those noises are all inserted noises. It's not just something captured, it's something that's inserted. And that's part of the magic of movies that many people totally miss out on. And that's why, in the Two Guys Talking podcasts, we emphasize it. It's a totally overlooked skill and talent that deserves a whole lot of attention. So, I mean, it's just as critical as anything else. The, the, the people don't realize it until they see a film with poor sound design, <laughs> then it sticks out like a sore thumb, and the, the film looks hack and amateurish. Good sound design, if it's done on a professional level, is not really noticed. It's enhanced, and, and it, it sounds great, but it's when it's gone, that's when it sticks out like a sore thumb. Two guys talking. Again, you see, there's nothing which you can possess, which I cannot take away. The first word. Carl, do you know what the first word of this movie is? Let's see, wait. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Uh, uh, the Jovitos are near? <laughs> you got it. That's awesome. Ho- Jovitos are near. <laughs> the poison is still fresh. Three days. Spoken by... Oh, uh, Alfred Molina. Doc Ock. That's right. 
Before he was the eight-armed menace inside of Spider-Man 2, Alfred Molina was the statue-stealing dead dude from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I got so many people, you would not believe how many people did not know that. And I mean, it's it's not a wonder. I mean, he, does, he doesn't really look like what Alfred Molina looks like now. But that's how long he's been acting and been involved in what are just great films. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's such a small, subtle role, but he does it with, you know, to perfection. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a memorable role. You always remember. Sapito. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not Adios. I just remember for that from Harrison Ford saying that to him after he's got the nails sticking through his head. <laughs> And through his crotch, by the way, something I've been able to do with the DVD set, watch the films, but not watch the center of the screen. I watch the surrounding area, and there's a lot more that you can glean when you don't watch what the director wants you to watch. Something I always encourage people to do, especially when they're watching a great film like Raiders of the Lost Ark. You've chosen the wrong podcast, and this time it will cost you. He was good. He was very, very good. <laughs> this is something that I always put on your answering machine when I call you, and I get your damn voicemail. He was good. He was very, very good. And he never returns my messages, <laughs> is one of the things I always leave on your voicemail machine. <laughs> the, the whole uh, Spielberg and, uh, and, and Lucas and Harrison Ford embracing the whole tongue-in-cheek serial action adventure cinema of 30s or 40s, I mean, the, the, the movie reeks of it on every level. Yeah. And I, as, as an 11-year-old kid, you know, I didn't know that. I wasn't getting that because I didn't know really about the serials a whole lot. Only later did I come to be able to appreciate that. But as an 11-year-old kid, that tongue-in-cheek coolness is just, you know, you just soak it in. It's fantastic. It's I don't awesome. know that it would play itself out. I know other movies have tried to play that out. Obviously not as successful as this one in this series. No, without question. In fact, we have a movie coming out next week, the second National Treasure movie, which I've forgotten the name of. That series of movies has tried that with what is a new, hip, aughts twist, and they're not just not nearly as interesting and successful because it's missing a lot of the chemistry that was inside of these movies, especially this one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Too bad two guys talking don't know you the way I do, Belloc. The horrible glory of booby traps. <laughs> Carl, the reason I always remember booby traps is because I remember playing in a forest not too far from my house. This little tiny park had like swing sets and stuff, and then behind it, it had this little shady forest that was dark and dreary and you and I would go and play it all the time and of course when we were playing it all the time whether it be with BB guns or friends or whatever there were always the imagined booby traps well we got to see them in this film there there they are there is the booby trap that kills Doc Ock it's wonderful to see stuff like that even though it's outlandish what other films had done that at at the time and done it to that success. I mean, it was somewhat new. It was a fresh way at the time to see it reinvented in what was, at the time, that version of modern cinema. Yeah. Now now you couldn't really get away with that. And, and again, so much fun. I mean, actually, so much fun went into every single aspect of the film. You're just, you're totally along for the ride 100% and just having fun. Right, and never out of the ride. There isn't a time where, oh, well, I need to pause this and, you know, go have a sandwich or something. There are no go-get-a-sandwich moments inside of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, that is totally true. Hokama, two guys talking, Mubata! One of the most indelible scenes in cinema history for me and many others. One scene that means the word movie. 
the tiki grab inside of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Carl, you and I, whether it be a mayonnaise jar, getting it out of your refrigerator at your house down the street from mine, or grabbing a chalupa from the lunch line inside of our high school lunchroom, this was what you and I lived for. Regardless of what had to be grabbed, it was grabbed, just like Indiana Jones grabbed the tiki inside of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, you know, and do, do people today, I mean, I would love to know, I would love to, you know, be a fly on the wall of a group of a thousand, you know, kids or whatever. What is it, what in today's cinema are they identifying with in the, that same way? I'm not saying that there is, isn't anything, I, I just, like, that is such a pivotal thing. Well, and so many other moments uh, in this movie for kids, or for us at the time, just really just uh, embedded themselves into our psyche, and we just started doing them in every yeah. possible way. Yeah, the, uh, and, and the lines. The, the lines are something that, uh, inside of the history of what is the Two Guys Talking podcast, that everybody can read at our website, by the way, at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. I talk exactly about that, where, not so strangely, in the back of a minivan back in the 80s, you and me talked about movies, and we quoted the lines, and we talked about the ammunition of the stuff that was being shot, and the how that scene was so cool, and, oh, remember when so-and-so said thus and such? All of that, I absolutely ask the same question you ask. What is today's modern youth doing that is like that? Are they quoting something from Dolomite? Are they 40-year-old virgin quotes? Whoa, what the hell are they doing that has anything remotely as quality as what was Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, exactly. There, there's another moment like that with the Tiki scene. I know you're probably going to get to it very shortly, so I'll save my comment for that. Because for, for me, it's another moment shortly thereafter the Tiki scene that, that I did a lot. Not, not Again, not to get off subject, and I probably didn't talk about this, it's something so uh, permeates that you just you do it subconsciously. One thing I know I do subconsciously, unfortunately this isn't a Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, but from Terminator, this kind of talks with your sound design, is I cannot knock on a door. If I'm the knocking on a door, door, yeah. Any yeah. door I knock on, I go... We talked we talked about that inside of the uh, the Terminator Two review, actually. Which, by the way, you can go to the Terminator Podcast website at terminatorpodcast.com and listen to not only all of the feature film reviews, but also the two guys talking reviews of Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, that new show that's on Fox that we are officially reviewing. In any case, Carl, whether it's the of Terminator or the Tiki scene that I encourage everybody to do with anytime they pick up anything that remotely looks like or feels like a Tiki, we'd like you to contact us at the Two Guys Talking website. That's the number two, guystalking.com, and tell us what your Tiki moment is. What are you picking up, just like the Tiki moment inside of Raiders of the Lost Ark? Jack! Start the podcast, Jack! Get it up! Start the podcast! Jack, start the podcast! of the film. I mean, I don't know if people regard movies as something that is crafted like a fine wooden table or, you know, whatever, but they, they certainly are. There is, when you're talking about pacing, there, there's so much more that goes into a film than just writing the script and then shooting the written word on the page. I mean, you definitely take things, you jumble them around in editing and shooting, and there yeah, is yeah. an entire crafting process that happens from beginning to end. Yeah, and again, the craftsmanship, that is the perfect word, Carl. The craftsmanship of this film and all of the other Indiana Jones films, regardless of which one we're talking about, are just way above par. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, it's, it's Spielberg at his finest, and it's Lucas when when he was at his finest. 
but one one moment that you mentioned that I don't want to skip past is my one of my tiki moments is the uh, the wall coming down and him reaching under and grabbing the whip. That moment, like after that happened, one I remember there was one day where my mother came home. I wasn't around, and she was watching TV or whatever, and she kept hearing the garage door going up and down and up and down and for about like a half hour straight. Finally, she couldn't stand it. She went into the garage and she saw me and I was just rolling back and forth under the garage door, making it go up and down and trying to get it as close as I could to roll under it, just like Indiana Jones. That to me was something that I just had to do as a kid. The moment I saw that, I had to go back and do that about a thousand times and almost burn out the garage door motor. It is hilarious that you mentioned that because now garage doors now have a sensor that's included with them so that you couldn't possibly do this anymore. Yes, yeah, much to the <laughs> chagrin of kids. Well, there is no, you know what, it's okay because there is no movie that has done that for the youth of this generation. There's a big podcast in the plane, Jock! Oh, that's just my pet podcast, Reggie! Flying pan into the fire pacing. Still unmatched to this day. Great transitions make the difference. Something we're going to be doing in all of these movie reviews is the complete transition listing of what Indiana Jones does throughout the movie. Look for that later in this episode. I hate podcast sharks! I hate them! Come on! Show a little backbone, will ya? The advent of Belloc. This... I have no idea where they got the name Belloc, but it just, again, it's I snap back to the visage of this dude in a white outfit in the middle of the jungle, taking what was once Indiana Jones is away from him. And the, the cackling laugh that he has. I just, I love all of that. Again, it's it's a villain I will never forget, where mention one new modern movie day villain you can tell me the name of right now. I'll give you Alan Rickman from Die Hard. Oh, then I can give you the name, like his name. Right. Well, oh, yeah. what was Alan Rickman's name well, in Die Hard? It That's was it was it was Hans Gruber. That and that is another great shining example of yes, that was a great villain. And yes, I can spot off his name. I'm talking about modern. I'm talking about in the last ten years. Oh. Tell me the name of a villain that you can go. Oh, and thus and such in a movie. And yeah. the answer no, is there isn't one. I can't really give you anything. Right, and I don't want to. I don't want to get the emails from people that tell me what the name of the guy in Saw was. You just cannot possibly compare something like Saw to a villain inside of any one of even the newest Indiana Jones films. There's no way to do it, and I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I got to agree with you. The podcast contains three central chambers or cysts. I hate snakes, Jock. Your best indie moments. One of the great things that we're doing in tandem with these reviews is the Your Best Indie Moment Contest, where not only are we going to give you a free replica Indiana Jones hat, we're going to give you a hundred bucks to tell us what your favorite indie moment is. We're going to pick the best one, and the winner gets a hundred bucks and an indie replica hat. How cool is that, Carl? Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I want in on that. I'll make sure that you won't win, but please feel free to tell your friends and your family about our contest at our website, twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. And tell us what your favorite indie moment out of any of the films, whether it's the new one or any of the three older ones, what's your favorite indie moment? Win 100 bucks and an indie replica hat worth 60 bucks. I've got these podcasts. These are good podcasts, Marcus. Oh my, yes, they are nice. The Instructor That Moonlights as an archaeological superhero. <laughs> Again, I I just, I cannot 
possibly stop talking about great things inside of this movie. And this is one of my favorite ones. It's the professor inside of a college that dons a hat, a jacket, grabs a bullwhip and a gun, and suddenly he is this super, but not a superhero, that goes out and does the things that I want to do. And I love that. I love it. Yeah, they, they really you couldn't... Re- I mean, you have your classic character archetypes, and this character, you know, has, just strikes a chord with... It strikes a chord with men and women, you know, both. Obviously, a lot of guys are big into it, but it definitely strikes a chord with just human nature of taking the ordinary person and that person goes out into the world and does some fantastical things that we all kind of wish we could do. And that's just basic human nature that they tapped into in a really, really successful way. Some people from Podcast Intelligence are here. They knew you were coming before I did. Military intelligence intervenes. I I love this because uh, so many movies have tried to use this where the military intelligence department pops in and tries to provide you with information, and it just falls flat. And it's because, at least in my opinion, Spielberg is able to provide you with the visage of military intelligence where they're supposedly knowing everything when after five minutes of talking with Indy and Marcus in this movie... They don't know shit. They don't know anything about what they're looking for. And I love that here they are, they're all-knowing, but suddenly they don't know anything about what they need to be doing. Yeah, and that's something that you see. You're, you're right. You've, you've seen, I've seen that time and time again in other films. Again, this movie does it so successfully. You just can't find fault with it. You can't find fault with any of the devices and tools that this movie has used and, and has borrowed from you know other films. Other films prior to this film have, have done some similar things. Again, this one just does it with pure excellence. You're a man of many talents. You studied podcasting under Professor Ravenwood at the University of Chicago, didn't you? Hitler is obsessed with religious artifacts. I love this. I love this because it solicits and engages you with a couple of things that just about everybody either wants to know more about or has deep-rooted feelings about. Hitler and religious objects. Regardless of whether or not you're religious, regardless of whether or not you're a pro-Hitler person, both of those things, especially when they're put together, incite feelings. And Spielberg knows that and uses that as often as he can in most of his films. You know, uh, Lawrence Kasdan in the whole mix, you don't want to leave him out because I'm sure that, that he contributed. You know, we'll never know exactly what he contributed and what ideas were his. Um, you know, as the writer, uh, I'm sure he did come up with, I mean, you, you never you never know. I just I always just want to make sure we're conscious of, we, we give a lot of credit to Spielberg and, of course, to Lucas, but, but let's not forget about the screenwriter himself. Oh, right, and one, the other thing... We're gonna we're gonna paint Spielberg in a great light with this film review, as we will with all of them, I imagine, especially as well as Lucas. But you have to remember that it's all team effort. There's no way that Steven Spielberg could show up on set and just do all this himself. And so it definitely is a team spirit, a team effort. And Carl, you're absolutely right. The Nazis have been looking all over Egypt for podcasts. It's Hitler. He's crazy. He's obsessed with podcasts. What is the Lost Ark? Now we know. This is something that is, again, one of the lost crafts inside of modern-day filmmaking. The exposition scene. The exposition scene, for people that don't know what that is, is where the entire outlay of the film, or the goal of the film, is laid out for the viewer in a variety of scenes and sequences. The other director that I love the way he handles exposition scenes is James Cameron. 
James Cameron is able to engage people with what are detailed exposition scenes, but they don't feel like detailed exposition scenes. To go back to another review that Carl and I did, Terminator 2, the exposition scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator lays out that it's in our nature to destroy ourselves, and that whole spiel about Judgment Day. All of those things are total exposition scenes, but he's able to lay those out so that people appreciate them and absorb them, rather than thinking that they're reading a book about something that they have to grind on for paragraphs about to try and figure out what's going on. Spielberg does that same thing inside of this film and the rest of the films for Indiana Jones regularly. Yeah, I mean, uh, exposition scenes can be done incredibly bad, I mean, to the point where it's nauseating. Yeah. And you're right, this one was done very well. When it's bad, I mean, sometimes it's called naked exposition when they, when it's just over the top, on the nose, like, oh, we're just sitting and wasting time while a character has to sit and explain to the audience what's going on. So they have to be handled very, I mean, they're make it or break it points. They have to be handled very, very well. On the whole moment of them talking about the arc and they explain the arc and you learn so much about the arc that I just saw an article that a buddy of mine sent me about... Um, yeah, on CNN, and I saw that. Yeah. ...the possible location of the arc. And as you read that article, it, you, it brings back all the things you learned in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah, as well as the uh, the third film, because there's so much classic religious tone inside of that one that is, uh, that one as well, is it's blunt over the head stuff. The other article that someone else sent to us, because they knew that we were doing these reviews, they sent us an article about how real the things that happen inside of Indiana Jones uh, that happen now and it, it was funny because as you get to the end of the article, they're actually saying, well, the Germans were doing it right inside of Indiana Jones because, you know, they've got, you know, they're getting the brush and dusting off the stuff as opposed to Indian Sala going and grabbing a crowbar and shoving it in there and prying open the crypt and stuff. So yeah, it, yeah. I, I've really got a charge out of that. And again, you can go visit those articles at our website, twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Tannis Development Proceeding. Acquire Headpiece, staff of Two Guys Talking Podcast, Professor Ravenwood, U.S. The genius of exposition, Tannis, staff of Ra, the headpiece to the staff of Ra, what it does, why Hitler wants it, who might have the power of God or something, and an invincible armies, all in eight minutes. Let's see a modern day film pull that off where we're engaged in eight minutes. And the answer is, it will not happen. Yeah, you know what else really, really helped that scene? Uh, and it sounds trite, but, uh, you know, it w- was the music. Yeah. The that music starts creeping in during... Yeah, 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 all of that. The light coming out and killing everybody, and, I mean, you, you, it, it draws you in. Again, you know, one note to the left or right, and it would have been cheesy. Yeah, yeah, uh, especially, same thing with the acting. The acting... And we'll get to this when we get to the end of the movie. But the acting is crucial for something like that because, as Carl can attest to, the death scene really is an important scene inside of anything that you have, whether it's a movie, a television series, even in a book. Death scenes are incredibly important, and as you said, they can get incredibly cheesy incredibly fast. Pass the cheddar. An Egyptian pharaoh, Shishak, took the podcast back to the city of Tanis and hid it in a secret chamber called the Podcast of Souls. The undeniable airplane moment. I love this. I, I love every single 
scene where they have what is a traveling scene. Again, it's borrowing from the serial nature of the 30s and 40s, but it's in its own right something unique. And, of course, it uses the music of John Williams. After returning to the city of Tanis, the podcast was consumed by the desert in a sandstorm that lasted a whole year, wiped clean by the wrath of podcast. Pastore! Pastore! And a drinking champion is crowned! Mary can hold her liquor, dude. Yeah, I mean, Karen Allen, I mean, this this, this is her, I mean, this is the movie, this is the, the Karen Allen movie. Yeah, yeah, without question. It's also the first time I ever saw a drinking game, as both Carl and I can attest to, we were not drinkers in high school or any time thereafter. This was my first uh, baptism in a drinking game. I loved it. It was fun. It's something I always remember. And it, the the crowd, the the way the crowd is situated in that scene, you can almost smell what's going on around you. And it's again, it's that it's the submersion therapy of what is a Spielberg film. You are in that little bar somewhere in Nepal with all of these goony people around you, and Karen Allen as Marion having a drinking contest with this other fat drunk dude. Uh, it was enlightening, you know, at the same time too, because as a as a young male, I will say, you it, it, again. The movie hits you at the right time. If it hits you at the right time in the right point in your life, you are immediately like, <laughs> "Oh my God, who's this tough woman and yeah. rough and tough?" And you see her kind of in these shabby clothes and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, later in the movie, you see her and she's beautiful in a beautiful dress and stuff. And you kind of discover, in the same way that Indiana Jones discovers, it discovers, or he would is rediscovering her beauty and the attraction to her and everything. And you kind of, you, you have that for her. I mean, she does such a great job of drawing you in, into her <laughs> character, making you attracted to her and her character in the same way that he's kind of rediscovering it. Yeah, yeah. And just to break it down for Carl succinctly, what he means to say is that Marion Ravenwood had a completely different kind of wood for Carl. Yes, yes. Well, and not just for me, but I would imagine for Oh, there were plenty, dude. Dude, between this and Starman, I had some serious Karen Allen Wood. I have to admit that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Starman takes it over the top because there's an underwear scene in there. Underwear. There's some. There's sex in there too. There's there, sex in there too. Yeah, there, there, there's sex in there. The level of Terminator sex inside of Starman. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, rubbish. Two guys talking and no Nazis. One of Carl's first movies. And the Nepal bar scene in Nepal. Carl, do you remember this? Do you remember showing me one of your very first movies that was set to the soundtrack of the Nepal bar fight scene? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that uh, that soundtrack, that mo- that gunfight was, uh, I, again, I got to go back to the sound design thing that bores yeah. people and pisses them off, but... You know, who, in the right mind, Ben Burt, obviously, fantastic, phenomenal, one of the most famous sound designers of all time. When you're putting together a gunfight, you know, to put in the sounds of, you know, the bullets ricocheting the way they do, the way they do, if you listen to it, it's unbelievable because it's like, it's probably like sounds on their own. I don't even know what the hell they are uh, that, that he got them from. And, Probably at the time you, you put them in or you're laying them in, I can only imagine people going, wow, why are you putting that sound in that weird, or whatever, you know, why, why are you yeah. putting that sound But then in the context of the symphony that is the sound effects of that scene, 
it works perfectly, 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 perfectly on, on every level. And that to me is, uh, is the, the, the highlight of that scene is all that sound design. Yeah, it's great. Inside of my notes, I wrote bullets fire, headshots hit, bottles over the head, branded Nazi hands, and the fire engulfing everything. It's just fire truck perfect. Yeah, you got to have your action scenes right. And each as an action movie progresses, each action scene needs to build and do something different than the previous one, right? So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. boring and what whatnot. And they have to have a crescendo. It's got to be. Key keep getting better and better and better this scene does top any previous action scene in the film and then this scene is topped later of course when you're done with it at the end of it you're just like you're spent i mean you're standing out there in the cold (laughs) and all of a sudden they're on the plane and onto the next place and you're just like oh you know you're wiped out you're like wow my god that was brutal yeah and and brilliant at the same time i just i love that i love that totally Obviously, the Nazis are looking for the Two Guys Talking podcast, and they think Abner has it. Marion is incredibly coherent for being blitzed. (laughs) This whole scene, especially when she's talking to Indiana Jones, there's at least a little bit of it where I think she kind of sounds soused. Vast majority of the rest of it, she's very coherent for having just drunk some dude under the table. Yeah, yeah, they probably took some creative liberties there. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right, it's totally appreciated. What you did was you put the podcast in a certain time, in a certain place. The sun would shine through and make a beam showing you the exact location of the podcast of souls. One of the best movie villains ever. You mean the German guy? Yeah. Yeah, yes, I know you will. Oh, no, no, that guy is Tote. Carl, what are your thoughts on Tote? Why haven't I seen him in anything else other than Raiders of the Lost Ark? (laughs) That's really the biggest thing. When I think of that dude, I think of, obviously, his phenomenal job and I go well, where the hell is he what what happened to him <laughs> German I think is he a German actor maybe he's done tons of German you know movies and TV that we don't know about but uh, he just never made it really into anything stateside after I mean that I can recall yeah his name is Ronald Lacey he's an actor that was born in England in 1935 and he's dead so that would be the reason why he's not doing any more movies <laughs> what year did he die 1991 oh well he had okay so he had 10 years of movie making between Raiders and his death. So what was he in? Uh, he was Heinrich Himmler inside of the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is interesting. He was in Bradbury Theater in a movie called Manifesto. He was in The uh, Assassinator, Dawn of the Evil Millennium, Jailbird Rock, <laughs> the hit Jailbird Rock, a bunch of other kind of nowhere movies. So... Very interesting, and again, I don't know what happened to him because he was brilliant in this film, just totally brilliant. Played Himmler in Last Crusade? Yeah. Oh, wait a second, he did do Red Sonja. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh hey, the, the, well, Carl, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Carl. No, that was Sylvester Stallone. Car- Carl, Carl, he, he did Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. He was president. He was president Widmark inside of Buckaroo Banzai. Well, uh, I gotta go back and see that movie again to look for him. He must be in the. I mean, who is he? Where is he in the movie? He must he, be an alien covered in makeup. No, no, he's President Widmark. Oh, he's president. President Widmark. Oh my God! Now I gotta go back and see that movie. <laughs> Yet another movie that we'll be sure to review here on the Two Guys Talking podcast: The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Another great film that has just such a following that it would probably be a great review here on the Two Guys Talking podcast network. 
Now, what's that coming out of the front of the podcast? Lightning, fire, the power of podcast or something. Ah, Cairo, city of the living. A paradise on earth. The meaning of these countries before we knew what they really were. Now, you have to remember, on the map, we see Indy traversing all of these Middle Eastern countries that have a completely different meaning for everybody now uh, here in 2008. And it, it's, it's funny to see them showcased in this venue when they had really no meaning for us. No, yeah, you're right. And then, uh, well, also, not only that, but now it's the discovery in this film of this new country. He's traversing this new plane with each country that he touches in the film you get a whole new great character right so you got obviously when he went to nepal you you pick up marion now he goes to cairo and the first our introduction to cairo is to the character sala Uh who ends up being another great character i mean yeah yeah that is a that is a, a a tremendous challenge is to have you know, to have great characters in your film, but to have one right after the other, after the other, you know, and, and each one is your, you know, your your introduction to this new part of the adventure, a new country, a new landscape, uh, a, and a new great sidekick character. I mean, again, just hitting the nail on the head, one right after the other. I mean, the movie at this point, and all the way through to the end, of course, but at this point, it's batting a thousand. It just keeps on going. A podcast which carries the art before it is invincible. The silhouette that will never die. A lot of people have asked us, and we're going to mention this inside of each and every one of the reviews that we do, including the new one, but the Two Guys Talking podcast logo, if you look at it, you'll notice not only is it two guys that have their arms crossed across their chests, they also have fedoras on. And so believe it or not, when I was making the logo for the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network three and a half years ago, I was making it thinking of Indiana Jones. Wow. So, yeah, it, it, it truly just amazes me. It continues to amaze me as we continue to collect more sponsors, the most recent of which, of course, is Sprint's Relay Missouri. It, it all is just coming full circle and becoming something of its own. And that I can hearken back to movies like this one in appreciation of what I remember that continues to spill over into my future, I'm so appreciative of. Yeah, totally. Two guys talking. I always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. I never doubted that. Something made it inevitable. I've learned to hate you in the last four years. Playful male-female banter in movies. Yet another lost art in today's modern cinema. Uh, the, the banter between Indy and Marion in this film is... Easily one of the classic samples I can point to for people that are going to write movies. This is the banter that you want between male and female characters. You don't want just total screaming female and brooding, relentless, bullet-shooting hero. This, this has so many different levels for the, ki- the, the interaction of these two characters that is, again, simply not showcased in today's modern film. Again, it goes back to like exactly what you said. Those guys... You know, Spielberg and, and Lucas and them having an appreciation for, uh, you know, I, can't, I won't be able to remember the female actress's names, but, you know, the Cary Grant films, the His Girl Friday and all that classic man versus woman banter. Yeah. 
Um, Where it was smart banter. It wasn't just, oh, well, screw you then. There isn't ever a moment in this film where it's like that. There's always either meaning behind it or there's uh, double entendre. There's there's so many different layers inside the conversations that they have that it's always fresh regardless of how many times you see it. Yeah, and it's important that there is discovery in the banter. I mean, the audience is discovering through their banter more facets of their relationship uh, than than you know about than you've ever known about. It, each one is not just done for the sake of wasting screen time. You learn more things about her father and his and his relationship with her uh, with him and all that stuff. I mean, so it's it's smartly done. It's smartly acted and, and smartly crafted. I need one of the podcasts your father collected. A bronze podcast about this big, offset with a crystal in the middle. You know the podcast I mean. The Sig Heiling Monkey. Sig Heil! I usually don't care for monkeys or animals in films, but I'm telling you that this totally works. It's something that brings across what is, as Carl just talked about, another character that you glean something from. He's the the literally two-faced monkey that's going to either be the death of Indiana Jones or he's somehow going to help Indiana Jones. Yeah, I think the monkey works because uh, ultimately, I mean, it's a, it's a comedic, it's a comedic device, right? But that ultimately leads leads to uh, an ominous note when the monkey dies. I mean, yeah. because they kill it. Bad dates. I think that's mm-hmm. the the arc of the monkey's character and and or, uh, the arc of the monkey's personal adventure. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Pivotal to the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. It it also refers to something else that Carl was very familiar with back in 1981. Spanking the monkey. Yes, yes, and very much so. This movie is spurred on with what with our uh, Marion Raven Wood. You know, there was a lot of. Again, it goes to discovery and personal discovery. <laughs> Do you know what you did to me, to my podcast? The undeniable pathos that all indie characters have, even though you've only known them for a short time. This is something that Carl's already hit over the head, but we just have to hit it again. The pathos that anybody that watches the films, regardless of who it is, regardless of their age, regardless of how many times they've seen the film, you instantly have pathos for every single one of the characters, even if they're evil. You, you want, not only, not only do you have the, the pathos, but it's like you have this desire to be a part of, the, of this adventure. Because it's so much fun. I mean, you're like, wow, uh, these people are having a blast. I mean, obviously they're in terrible life and death situations, but they are quite possibly the coolest life and death situations you could ever be in. It, it brings about uh, a yearning and a desire to be a part of it all. And I will say this, the two things that are, are offshoots, offshoots of this that I felt were going to be uh, kind of stupid and gimmicky, and it really ended up being very entertaining because they drew you in similarly uh, to the way Raiders of the Lost Ark draws you in. Was the uh, the rides like at Disneyland, the, yeah, the yeah, roller coaster yeah. type ride, and then the show? And I thought, ah, these will be corny and goofy. But you know what? You you find yourself having that same yearning that you had to be a part of the Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure. You find yourself watching that show going, well, I'm kind of experiencing a little bit of it. And this is cool. So uh, uh, there, there's not many movies that have an attraction uh, 
the way this movie has. You know, it's really, really incredibly attractive to, to a wide, huge span of humans. It's a worthless bronze podcast, Marion. Are you going to give it to me or not? Belloc returns. <laughs> again, he pops up so many times in this film. And again, it lends itself so well to what is the serial the serial stuff of the 1930s and 40s. But when he appears again, you instantly have that pathos I was just talking about where, oh, there he is, that son of a bitch. Oh, there he is, that son of a bitch. You, you are engaged when you see him. You're not repulsed by him. You're engaged. Yeah, you, you are engaged because there's reason you're engaged is because you find yourself liking Belloc. I mean, he's classy and he's sophisticated. And you want to know what's going to happen next. Th- th- that is the classic serial nature of what is serials. Da 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 da. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? That and they pull it off every time, and then they insert these golden characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to have your villain, I gotta, I gotta go back to again to to, to another movie that does it very similarly. Again, Alan Rickman and Die Hard. To have a villain that's so charming that he charms the pants off of you, and, and you love to hate him. Again, and Belloc is a guy you love to hate, and you 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 like the fact that he is so far above the crudeness of the Nazis. You know, yeah. yes, he is the villain, but he's also a villain that you you can appreciate because he appreciates the same things that the hero appreciates. I mean, it's it's incredibly unique. We'll be right back with the Raiders of the Lost Ark with Carlo Bazzese and Mike Wilkerson on the Two Guys Talking Indiana Jones Review, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Let me tell you of the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast. Historians from England will say that I am a liar, but history is written by those who have hanged heroes. Join the noble duo as they dialogue the weekly adventures of Sarah and John Connor as they fight to avoid the inevitable Judgment Day and defeat the evil hordes from Skynet. It's legend, it's random, and it's only from Two Guys Talking. Interpreting was created with the mission of connecting people who are deaf and hard of hearing with the people they interact with. Ability Interpreting continues to level the playing field in all situations for all parties concerned. They've become an ever-vigilant warrior in the battle to provide equal access to the deaf in all aspects of their lives. Whether it's ensuring that the level of interpreting excellence in the community stays high, educating newcomers on interaction tips with deaf and hard of hearing individuals, or by using only experienced, certified sign language interpreters and deaf professionals in the area, Ability Interpreting is ready to take on your interpreting challenges now. Contact Ability Interpreting by dialing 618-622-3320 or check out their informative website at interpreterstation.com. Ability Interpreting, working to connect the deaf and hard of hearing communities through certified licensed professional interpreters available 24-7-365. Ability Interpreting. Interpreterstation.com. This is Paul's Tree Service. A person is calling through Relay, Missouri. This is Operator. Uh, thanks, but we're not interested. Who is that? Uh, just one of those annoying telemarketers. Wrong. You just hung up on a customer. 
one who wanted to spend money with your business, a customer who happens to be deaf, hard of hearing, or who has a speech disability, calling you through Relay Missouri. Relay Missouri is a free service that allows people who are deaf, hard of hearing, or who have a speech disability to communicate over the telephone with you and your business. Don't hang up. This could be new business. For more information on Relay Missouri, take a minute to log on to RelayMissouri.com and open the door to a whole new group of customers. Become part of a growing community that is silent but can speak volumes for your business. Relay Missouri brings the hearing and deaf, hard of hearing, and people with speech disabilities together at no charge with no sign-up and no monthly fee. Log on to RelayMissouri.com and find out how you can start communicating with these new customers today. Get what you want with the Life on the Half Shelly podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings from behind the walls of the Castle of Common Sense. When I'm not driving righteous indignation down the throats of other common peasants, I listen to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Boy, what a great review. I'm here with Carlo Bezzese, a lifelong friend and director of independent movies and commercials. Carl, thanks for joining me again. Oh, I'm happy to be back. As am I. We're here reviewing Raiders of the Lost Ark, probably my favorite all-time film. And uh, Carlo Bezzese, again, a lifelong friend of mine, joins me. Let's get right back to the review, Carl. See you tomorrow, two guys talking. Giant swinging cowboy punches. You know, there aren't many movies that pull this off as well as Indiana Jones, as all the Indiana Jones movies do. And I'm not sure if it's because of it's set in with the sound and the music that really pulls off the literal punches or what? What do you think, Carl? Uh, oh, gosh. You know, it, it, again, we constantly are talking about sound design. And, and the sound design is exactly, the punches are definitely exaggerated. I mean, the sound effect of them is exaggerated along with the fight choreography, you know, is these big, robust, you know, uh, I don't want to say cartoon action scenes, but, you know, over-exaggerated. And the sound fits perfectly with them, and, and, and I think that's pretty much why they work, because they, the everything that goes into the fight and the punch and everything, every single facet of it, it has a perfect tone. Yeah, they're they're definitely over the top, but normally so because not only are the punches and the acting and everything else, but the entire movie is over the top in that it it's something that sets memories, just like it has for you and I over the years. Yeah, absolutely. A good evening, two guys talking. <laughs> we are not thirsty. We're looking for the same thing Doctor Jones wanted. Surely he told you there would be other interested podcasts. The twirling sword shut the fire truck moment that continues to inspire. <laughs> what else can we say about the guy twirling the sword? Indy gunning him down. <laughs> it, it was classic then. It's classic every time I see it now. And everybody uh, from you and I to Steven Spielberg and the stunt coordinators to talk about it. I always have a smile on my face when I'm done hearing about it. Yeah, everyone knows the, the lore about you know, Harrison Ford being sick that day, and they originally had a big fight scene planned, and blah blah blah. So, you know, for them to for them to pull off doing what they did and have it work, you know, I'm sure at the time, I don't know, but but you know, I imagine there to be some concern in Spielberg and Lucas's mind as to like whether or not that was actually going to work. If they were going to pull that off, 
And, of course, it ends up being one of the most iconic moments in the whole movie. I, I really think what happens inside of the films as well is that there's enough blood to, to sell things. But there's not nearly enough blood as there should be. And, I mean, obviously, the, he'd have blown the back of the guy's head out all over the crowd behind him. But we don't, we don't have anything near to that. But, again, just like the, you know, the looping, giant, swinging cowboy punches, it all is paid off so wonderfully because of the acting, the music, and, of course, the plan to pull it off. You don't need that. I'll tell you everything about the podcast. Yes, I know you will. Marion in a Basket. Genius. There are several different times I've heard Steven Spielberg say that this is his favorite scene of all of the Indiana Jones films, and I don't think I disagree with him. It's, de- it's definitely not my favorite of the scenes that I can remember, but it's one of the ones that does continue to inspire because of the way it was filmed. Again, each moment, one moment, you know, kind of complimenting the other, topping the other. Um, you know, there's just, there's, there's so much uh, texture and depth. You know, the, the one thing this movie definitely is not is, is superficial and kind of feeding us, you know, cheesy action scenes that we've seen before, been there, done that. I mean, you definitely feel like you are just caught up in this roller coaster and not just being handed you know, overly sugared cereal to just chew on. I mean, it just it just is very, very thick, each moment piling on top of the other. There's a movie last night that I was watching with friends here locally, and it was called Untraceable. And I think it should be renamed Unmemorable, especially when you compare it to any of the Indiana Jones films. And, I, I, you know, you, it's definitely apples and oranges, but it is modern American cinema. And when I look at that film compared to any, including what will be the new Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it just pales in comparison. In fact, I, it's hard to compare them. That's how, how difficult it is to take what is modern cinema against something classic like Raiders. Yeah, yeah. I, can't, I totally agree with you. <laughs> i got nothing to add to that. Well, at least you haven't forgotten how to show a podcast a good time. Please, sit down before you fall down. I am a shadowy reflection of you. Belloc returns. <laughs> Again, I was marveling at uh, really all of the Indiana Jones films. I've been working feverishly on the last set of Indiana Jones reviews, all of the movies. And as I'm working on them, I'm watching all of the other films, including Raiders. And I just marvel at the ability to bring in what is the bad guy to shine on Indy and then Indy escapes. And then eventually there's going to be another shining on moment of what is the main villain slash guy you want to hate, but you love because you want to hate him. And again, I compare that to what is untraceable. Just nothing. You have no comparison to modern day cinema and what is the Indiana Jones tales. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now, how are they, you know, how are they going to... You know, uh, I don't want to say top it, but, you know, are they going to meet those expectations with the next film? I mean, when you come with something so perfect, when you come along with something that strikes that nerve, I just, I I'm, don't know. I mean, are they going to be able to do it? And, and I know that they, too, were concerned about it as well from everything I've read. Um, and rightly so. It's a definite concern. I'll tell you what! Until I get my $5,000, you're going to get a lot more than you bargained for! I'm your goddamn podcast! A headpiece, like that one, but rougher around the edges. The deciphering of the headpiece of the Staff of Ra. 
if the staff of Ra wasn't cool enough and the sta- the headpiece to the staff of Ra wasn't cool enough, how about everything else in regard to the staff of Ra in this entire movie? I, I, it is one of the iconic pieces of movie lore that continues to inspire people, including reviews like ours. I, I love the headpiece to the staff of Ra. I love that it was etched into Tote's hand. Uh, I love that the tale wasn't completed with the Germans because, of course, it was missing a side. I, I love all of that. It's so small, but it's genius all at the same time. Yeah, I, would, I really would like to know more about, like, uh, if there's, I don't know, on the, you can tell me, on, I haven't seen the Raiders DVDs. Is there a commentary track, full commentary track by Spielberg and Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan or whatever? I would, uh, I would love to know more about who came up with what? Yeah, sadly they don't. Uh, and let's talk about that for a minute. In fact, I just got all of the movies that have been now re-released in single fashion. So now you can go and buy either Raiders of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom or The Last Crusade all on their own. You don't have to buy them in the three-pack. The benefit of buying them is great, especially for people that don't yet have the movies. But even for, for, indie, for indie files like you and I, it's great to have them because... That's right, there's special features on those that weren't included in the previous feature films on DVD. And so, exactly what you're talking about is discussed. The, uh, the creation of those things. Galleries of all of these items, including the headpiece of the Staff of Ra. They include extra pictures so that there's more on these sets of DVDs, including the 3D hologram covers that you have, the new discs. The menus are basically the same, but they give you uh, a couple of added features on each disc so that it's not just a waste of money. And they're only $13.95 if you get them now when they're, uh, they're just coming out. So, yes, sadly they don't provide, and neither did the originals, a complete commentary track. I don't know... I, th- I seem to remember reading something about Spielberg and not wanting to go back and comment on his movies post-movie release. I-, I think he would change his mind if he realized that he would sell mo- even more DVDs if there was like a golden version that had you know full feature commentaries with him on it. Lucas isn't nearly as wary as, as uh, Spielberg is because all of the Star Wars films, whether it's the new Star Wars films or the original Star Wars films... All of those have feature-length commentary by Lucas and a number of his staff, and I really appreciate those because it gives you a it gives you a vision into the mind think of what is inside of Lucas's brain. And I think a lot of people, especially as of the last I don't know ten years or so, they wonder what is going on inside the Lucas brain, and it does give you insight as to what he was thinking, many of the reasons why he did things. And I totally recommend those inside the Star Wars film commentaries. Yeah, I, I need to I need to play catch up. I have not I have not gone as far as I should have already into the all the uh, commentary tracks on, on Star Wars and all that stuff, so I, I keep waiting for that perfect moment where I can say, okay, today I'm going to sit down and watch this, I'm just going to do it, and I, got, and I have to do it, and I just been, I've been putting it off, and it, I'm the only one that's missing out. <laughs> uh, they are good, and I do recommend them, regardless of whether or not you're a fan of the, uh, the last three, the, or the most recent three Star Wars films. Oh, I would still, you know, regardless of not being a, a fan or of the last three or not, I still find value to to watching them and, you know, in my mind, finding out what went wrong. <laughs> You've reached the end of the first half of the two-part Two Guys Talking Podcast review of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first in a series of DVD and feature film reviews chronicling the past and new adventures of Indiana Jones, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast. 
be sure to download the second part of this great review at our website, twoguystalking.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast via Apple's iTunes. It's a great way to have an automatic download of great reviews of your favorite past, current, and future DVDs and feature films right at your fingertips. Be sure to tell us what you think about these reviews. Log on to our website at twoguystalking.com. That's the number twoguystalking.com. Click on the contact button on the top right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and let us know what you think about these great reviews. It's evocative, it's original, and it's only from the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network.